Lord, your word says that we are wise if we not only hear the word, but do it. So I pray, I pray for me, I'm praying for my family, and I'm praying for this Harbor family, that we would listen to your word in such a way that we would want to do it. Put in our heart the desire to serve and obey as we read the word and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Two weeks ago, I was preparing for the wedding of Silas Anthony to Shauna Loy, who are now Silas and Shauna Anthony. That's Gabe Anthony's, one of his older brothers. And I came across an article in some sort of psychological journal. And the article indicated the relatively high incidence in marriages of one of the partners, one of the spouses, having a significant medical event and that affecting the marriage negatively. In other words, despite our best intentions in, in sickness and in health and those vows, at least in the U.S., a lot of marriages where one of the partners has a significant medical problem, often the marriages dissolve. And it just got me thinking. You know, this series, we're talking about Ruth, we're talking about plan A and plan B. So many of us enter into a marriage with plan A of happily ever after. But we find ourselves faced with a plan B. Oh no, my spouse is, is incapacitated. What should I do? Maybe you're in a plan B. When I look out at you and I think of a lot of our stories in this congregation, I'm thinking of a lot of the plan Bs that we find ourselves in. For some of you, it's your job. You didn't think your job would be this awful. Or... Some of you have been longing for a job. Your plan A was, I would graduate college and get out of school and, um, excuse me, and find a job, and you find yourself not with a job. For many of you, plan A is, I wish I had someone to say, happily ever after with, and you find yourself hitting benchmarks like 30, 40, 50, and you're single. Maybe your plan B is, you had a great friendship, and it's gone sour. But I am very aware of, in this room, the plan Bs that many of us are experiencing. And it's tough. It's hard. I feel your pain, and I do believe the Word of God has something for us today. The question we come to the third chapter of Ruth with today is, can God come to you in your plan B? In a situation that you didn't expect, I'm looking right here at Joe McManus, right? Two significant injuries that have made, made his uh, ability to work a very difficult, a plan B. Can God come into your plan B? And if he can come into the chaos, or the confusion, or the frustration, or the disappointment, or the pain of your plan B, what's your role? Is there a role for you to play? So let's review shortly the plans B of some of the main characters we've met in the book of Ruth. We've met Naomi. Naomi was happily married, we can assume. She was married, and she had two sons who were also married. Plan A for her was Easter. Everyone's at the table. Christmas Eve, everyone's hanging out. We're having a great time. But she got thrown into a plan B, didn't she? Her husband died, and then both of her sons died. Can we just pause for a second and wow. Now that's a tragedy of a plan B that she gets thrown into. Then we've got her, one of her surviving daughters-in-law, Ruth. Her plan B 
Again, her experience was going to be Easter, Christmas, everyone's at the table, I'm in this great family. She loses her father-in-law, she loses her husband, and now the plan B she's thrown into is I'm going to a foreign land where I'm not likely to be able to remarry. That's her plan B, and that's Ruth. And then even the main character we're going to meet today is Boaz. Now Boaz, he is, as the scripture calls him, a worthy man. He's wealthy, he seems to do well, he seems to fear God and have a lot going for him, but some commentators have indicated that he is the son of a prostitute. And so how is it that this very successful man finds himself midlife and unmarried? We're not sure. Again, this is some speculation on our part, but perhaps Boaz is in his own plan B where he would have wished to have been married, but finds himself to middle age and unmarried. So that one's a little bit of a stretch, but for the first two in particular, these guys are definitely in some plans B. Again, what's your plan B? What does God have to say to you in your plan B? Can he come to you in your plan B? If so, what is your role? Those are the questions we come to as we start. Now, this third act of Ruth, okay? Ruth 1, first act. Just a quick review on the narrative as well. Chapter 1, these losses all occur. Naomi loses her husband. Two daughters lose their husbands. And we find Ruth clinging to the king, clinging to the God of her mother-in-law, Naomi. Chapter 2, Acts 2, we find, uh, as Brian delivered so powerfully last week, just we find Ruth in particular going about her day to day, finding God's work in her work, right? Even in the midst of the pain and chaos and confusion of her plan B, she just keeps showing up doing what she's supposed to do and believes that God is working in that. So there's there's the narrative up to this point. Let's begin the narrative. Let's pick up this narrative. Act 3, chapter 3 of Ruth, if you will. So follow along with me in your Bible. Uh, Otherwise, I have the ESV version up here on the screen. Then Naomi, she's the mother-in-law. Ruth's mother-in-law says to Ruth, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz, our relative, with whose young women you were, sorry, is not Boaz our relative, with whose young women you were, meaning uh, they were gleaning the harvest. See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make, your, do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, Notice in the next several verses, you're going to see the phrase lie down like 20 times. When he lies, which is just funny and fun. This is really an interesting passage to preach, let me tell you that. <laughs> but when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down. It's getting weird. And he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say, I will do. So. Naomi is encouraging Ruth to take a calculated and a godly risk. When she says in verse 1, should I not seek rest for you? Of course, the word rest means home. And obviously, she's not just saying, hey, uh, Ruth, let's get you a place to put your head. She's saying, wouldn't it be better for you to be married? Can we not find a place for you to have the protection and the, um, yeah, just the, the security of marriage? So kind of a euphemism there. And let's see what's going on. 
So Boaz, this guy, he's winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. So come harvest time, winnowing would be the act of, so they would throw up the grains of barley into the air, and so that in the cool wind, this is happening in the evening now, the, the days of late summer, early fall, are hot days, in the evenings, the wind comes because it cools, and so they throw the barley or the wheat into the air, and their two component parts would separate, and and uh, what what remained would be kind of the harvest. And it was it was very it was a hard task, but it would not be unusual for someone of Boaz's standing to be doing it as well. In other words, just because he's kind of a master, you know, he's uh, up on the social scale. It is normal for him to be out there working with the crews because the demand of the harvest is so much. And so he's out there throwing the chaff, uh, throwing the component parts up, seeing them separate, the grain falls to the ground, and he makes a big pile. And it's also a time of great celebration, so it's normal for them to be feasting during this time, and then he's falling asleep at his workplace there, because the next day he's going to get up and do the same thing. Just the demands of the harvest. It's, it's just work time. It's work time and it's play time in kind of high intensity. So that's what's going on here. He's winnowing, he's just there, he is um, not at home in the evenings. And as we see in verse 3, Naomi's saying, look, Ruth, put on your makeup, you know? <laughs> like, look good for this guy. She's saying, perhaps also, take off your mourning clothes. In other words, for sure, Ruth has been mourning for her dead husband for some time now. So why don't you put those away, make yourself available, okay? Something good could happen tonight. And of course, just I'll say it clearly, we're coming up to a social custom that is so removed from us in culture and in time, that it's hard for us to appreciate all of it, but, but yes, it's, it's true, you know, what's happening is she's making herself available for this guy, okay? Now, whether sexual activity happens in this evening, it just is unclear to us, but we know that Naomi is a person who will care about the reputation of her and her daughter, so she wouldn't have her do something unseemly, okay? So, I'll let you um, <laughs> Google all that you want on Ruth and see kind of what actually happened here. The fact is, no one really knows today exactly how this custom went. So, at any rate, the thing I want to highlight first is, we're, I, I'm highlighting both Ruth and Boaz in this, in this passage. And what is admirable about Ruth? And what I want to uh, bring out to us as we think about our plans B is, you know, Ruth acts with incredible loyalty here. And what I would suggest is, in your plan B, you can't go wrong by acting with loyalty. And what I mean is, as we'll, as we'll read a little bit later, Ruth probably could have gone for a guy her own age. She was getting known as a worthy woman. In fact, the words we'll see in a few verses are the same words. Worthy woman are the exact same words that in Proverbs 31 are translated as um, excellent wife. Okay, same, same, same words. So she's getting known as this very worthy woman because of how she's honored her uh, mother-in-law, Naomi. But notice here that... Although Ruth could have just concerned herself with her own pleasure and her own household, she acts loyal, loyally and with loyalty in that her concern is the line of Naomi. In other words, you know, right here in verse 5 it says, All that you say, I will do. Ruth says, All that you say, I will do. I will act loyally and I will act faithfully. And so I'd say, you, me, we're in the middle, middle of our plans B, right? It's, it's perhaps chaotic for you, maybe it's confusing, perhaps there's disappointment, frustration. Wherever you're in your plan B, you can't go wrong by acting faithfully and loyally. In your plan B, if you act faithfully and loyally, perhaps involving a risk, you will not go wrong. 
I have a really silly example from Friday night. Kelsey and I were at American Barbecue. I'm the kind of person that I, just personality-wise, I don't like ruffling other people's feathers. So we get to American Barbecue, and I know that I want steak tips. We know we want to share a meal, because just financially, that's what we need to do. And Kelsey knows she doesn't like any of the sides that American Barbecue offers, right? Sorry, as Kelsey would say, they're just, well, they're not that great. They're just not that great. And so she says, why don't we, can we just get this side salad? And I'm like, oh, you know, inside I'm trying to get frustrated because that's like off menu. That's doing something that is not allowed by the menu. And I'm just thinking, this is bothering me because she's asking me to stick my neck out in front of the, the salesperson and ask for something different. Again, this is just totally window into how I function that I, <laughs> I just don't like rocking other people's folks. But again, I thought, this is for my wife. I can ask for a salad. And so, you know, I'm like, I'm like turning red. And I'm like, okay, is there a way for us to not have any of the sides and get a side salad? And, and you know, we had this whole negotiation just to make sure we were understanding each other, me and the, and the salesperson about, yes, we wanted the side salad to replace all the, the two sides, even the cornbread. We're willing to go without the cornbread. And can that work? And can we still be at the same price point? And the bottom line was, it was all just fine <laughs> with American barbecue. They were, they were happy to accommodate me. So my point is, I was uncomfortable. I took a mini risk to satisfy my wife, as, uh, you know, operating loyalty, loyally to her, and guess what? We were both blessed. I had my medium rare steak tips. She had her salad, all at the low, low price of just the regular steak tips. <laughs> what a blessing. <laughs> Yes, I get my husband perks today. <laughs> Sometimes when you're plan B, right? You take a little risk, you act loyally, and watch what God does. How about a little more, uh, probably a little more intense example. I just came across, my perusing of the news this week, I came across someone that CNN is calling a hero. He certainly is. For 23 years, his, his name is Dr. Jim Withers. He's from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and for the last 23 years, he has brought his practice to the street. In other words, he has cared for the homeless, and he has just taken to the streets, and he's gone and found homeless people and found out what medical care they needed and what he could provide. Now, he didn't find himself, like, crushed by a plan B. In other words, he chose this plan B. He chose to not just do what most physicians do, and he went to where the pain was. This guy's awesome. And so here they are saying now that this guy's efforts, now it's, it's called, um, it's called Operation Safety Net in Pittsburgh. Now they estimate that his efforts on the street save the emergency rooms of two hundred to $300,000 a year in Pittsburgh. Because 23 years ago in 1992, coming out of med school, he decided he just didn't like how the whole the way the whole thing was set up that you come to the physician and you do it on their terms and you wait in their waiting room and they're always late and you know that sort of thing. And he said, you know what, I'm gonna bring my services to them. He'd grown up with a dad who did house calls and he said, I wanna take it one step further. Again, my point is this man acted loyally to the profession. He said, hey, medical profession, we need to go where the pain is. So acting loyally, loyalty to the profession, he's brought about some of the grace and the kingdom of God. Okay? Again, not really a plan B, so the analogy breaks down there a little bit, but in your plan B, you won't go wrong by acting loyally. Okay. 
Let's go to scene two of this act three. Let's move on to verses six to 13. What happens, right? Naomi's, Ruth's mother-in-law has said, hey, go make yourself available to this guy. Let's see what happens. This is better than soap operas. Better than movies. All right, so Ruth goes down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain because he would have created this heap. He's going to go lie down there, presumably to protect it. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over and behold, a woman lay at his feet. I love how the ESV just puts an exclamation point there like, wow, okay. Thank you, ESV. He said, this, this really cracks me up, because I can think of a lot of things I'd say first, but this is what Boaz used to say. He says, who are you? Okay? And she answered, I'm Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant. Again, is this a euphemism for have sex with me? Or is this a euphemism for just take me in marriage? We're not quite sure, because so much time has passed. Oh, so spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Meaning, you are one who can help continue Naomi's bloodline. Again, culture removes us from the importance of this, but this is very key in this culture, that the name go forth. So because you're a relative, you can redeem us, you can keep Naomi's bloodline going. And Boaz says, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. As Brian indicated last week, Boaz is very kind. He's a worthy man. He's an excellent man. He's gentle. And here he goes. He says, you've made this last kindness greater than the first and that you've not gone after the young men, whether poor or rich. Okay, you've been very kind. And Boaz is saying here, you were kind first to come back to Israel with your mother-in-law, Naomi. You were kind to serve her in that way. And now you're being kind to me because you could have had any one of the young men and here you are with me, middle-aged old man. And now, verse 11, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman, an excellent wife. Same kind of language. Verse 12, and now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. So apparently there's a relative who can play this role. Uh, he's further, he's closer to the family. So verse 13, remain tonight, I'd say here, and in the morning, if he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down here until the morning. Okay. In your plan B, right? You're disappointed. It's chaotic. It's frustrating where you are. In your plan B, keep your integrity. I find the Boaz, the integrity, excuse me, of Boaz absolutely incredible. He could have had that woman right there, right? He could have consummated things right there. But he says, wait, there might be someone closer who's more legally apt to redeem you, so let's, let's hold on. And man, there's a Father's Day message for the fathers out there today. It's this. In your plan B, will you keep your integrity? In your plan B, right, especially in regards to parenting or being a husband or a father, I, I can only assume that many of you are experiencing some of the challenges of marriage or the challenges of parenting. And it's so easy to take a shortcut as a husband or as a father. You may wish to take some sort of compromising shortcut. But here, clearly from the scripture, the message is, if you will act in integrity, you will receive the blessing of God. 
and there is grace for you to, in your plan B, act with integrity. I want to tell you about a man who just passed away this year of cancer. He was in our sister congregation in Waltham called The River, and his name is Bob Norcross. And Bob and I got to know each other because Bob's, one of his many daughters showed up in my French class one year, about 10 years ago. And as Elaine and I got to know each other, it became apparent that we were both followers of Jesus. And so then Elaine's dad, Bob, clued into this, and actually their whole family began to attend our, um, our home church, CFCF, Community Faith Christian Fellowship in Boston. Bob was the CEO of a family business that was manufacturing. And, um, and just to say, I'll just say exactly what it is, it's easier than um, not. But, so for example, Brian gave us some beef jerky today. That beef jerky is in packaging. That packaging has printing on it. For that printing, that ink to stay on the packaging, it has to be a certain precise thickness or viscosity. So, so my friend Bob, his business was he created viscometers, things that would measure the thickness of the ink that was put on like your potato chip package or your, your beef jerky packages, because if the ink wasn't, if it's not the right thickness, it won't stay on there. So that's what Bob did. He created these things that gauged how thick ink was on your packaging. So manufacturing, as you know, in the United States, hasn't been the easiest business to to maintain. So over the 10 years that I've known Bob, that I knew Bob, just, um, it became apparent to me the stresses that he lived under trying to have his business survive in a world where manufacturing has left, that's changing now, but was increasingly leaving the United States and just keeping this thing alive. Well, he found that in China, he actually had a great market. So also during the 10 years that I knew him, he would increasingly take trips to China and his business was developing in China. Bob loved his wife, Dot. Every time he would go to China, he is hosted by companies that are interested in this product. They put him up in great hotels, and without fail, when Bob shows up at a nice hotel in China, there's a knock on the door because the company that's hosting him has sent him a woman to be with him. Bob, of course, never would say yes to a woman in his hotel room because he loved his wife so much. And I just think about Bob, and I think about all the pressure he was under as a business person, and I think of how easy it would have been 5,000 miles away for him to just have a little excitement without his wife one night. But he never did that. He loved his wife, and he never lost his integrity. Even in the plan B of his business being really difficult till the end, he never compromised on his relationship with his wife. In your plan B, man, keep your integrity. You'll be so glad you did. In your plan B, keep your integrity. Think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? The night before he is betrayed. He, he had an opportunity to not keep his integrity. What I mean is this. If you remember the scene, Peter, I think it's Peter, he gets so upset Right? The, the Romans are coming at Jesus now. They're coming to get him. They're coming to capture him and take him finally by force. They could have done it for months and years on end, but finally they decide now's the night. And Peter gets upset and he takes out his sword and he cuts off the ear of the high priest's slave. And Jesus says, none of this. Stop. This is not how this is going to go. And Jesus says, I can call legions of angels if I need to. I could call upon this kind of power. But Jesus doesn't do that. 
He preserved the integrity of the mission, which is unless I redeem through suffering, it doesn't count. It's not going to work. The only way this thing works is if I lay my life down freely. Okay? Jesus. Boaz. Boaz is totally a type of Christ for us. Boaz is totally a Christ figure for us. He, he could have consummated things right there and it probably would have been okay. Notice he could have had Ruth right there and then just kind of worked it out and just say, okay, you know, I, you know we're going to work it out after the fact. But from my reading of scripture, it's not what happens. I think he does wait. And um, Boaz is such a picture of Christ for us because he does it the right way. He waits. He lets things run their course. He does things properly and with integrity. And um, so that is of note for us today. Let's look at um, scene three of Act three here. Let's go on to, to the, the last part here. <clears throat> so, she laid a seat until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the freshest floor. Again, I don't think it's because they had done something illicit, but I think rather because he wanted to, you know, he didn't want it to seem like he had been with a prostitute. He didn't want to uh, dishonor her. He didn't want to dishonor himself. And uh, so, you know, they're, they're being a little bit under the radar there, you know, getting up at 5 in the morning and saying, okay, go on your way. Verse 15, he says, bring the garment you're wearing, hold it out. So she held it. You know, it would be a big flowing kind of piece. She, you know, kind of hold up a part of it so he could measure out these six measures of barley and put it on on her and in her, you know, in her, this little mm, pouch she's making with her clothes. Then she went into the city, and when she came to her mother-in-law, right, Naomi wants to know what happened. She says, Naomi says, how did you fare, my daughter? How was it? What happened? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, these six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, you must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She, Naomi replies, wait, my daughter, wait until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. So again, he is, we see Boaz's generosity. He's, he, is, um, he is indicating to uh, Naomi the desire to make good on the offer. And he doesn't, and I think Naomi has the right, she says, let me just read that last verse again. Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Naomi has great confidence that Boaz is going to uh, um, is going to say yes to this offer of, of becoming the kinsman redeemer. But first, he's going to check to make sure it's legal. So my point, I, I think I just want to call from the scene three is in our plan B, we're to keep our integrity. And part of that involves waiting. Okay, at times, keeping our integrity means waiting. Just as right here, Ruth has to wait to see what will happen uh, with the other kids in the Redeemer. And that is our lot also. Integrity often leads waiting. So I just want to summarize for us. As Brian said last week, in your plan B, right here, you and me, we're in our plans B, frustrated by this situation. It's chaotic, it's confusing, it's disappointing. The first thing Brian indicated last week was God's at work, right? God is at work. It may not seem like it, but you just keep showing up in life and God is at work. And then we get to today, and what we understand is in our plan B, we are to guard our integrity. In our plan B, we are to keep our integrity. Because we just don't know how awesome and how wonderful God is going to work on our behalf. 
And as we came today from this narrative, the way that we keep our integrity is we act loyally. You know, we, act, we can't go wrong by sticking it out faithfully. We, we don't take opportunities for shortcuts unless we don't wait, or excuse me, unless we do wait, we may have to wait. All right, so in our plan B, we keep our integrity. Just a couple things here. How do you do that though, right? We're sitting here and our plans be, and sometimes it's excruciatingly difficult. It's, it's frustrating, it's sad, it's, it, might, it might be hard. How do you survive and thrive in your plan B? How do you keep guarding your integrity? I just have two quick thoughts. These just happen to come from my um, devotional reading of Proverbs this week. And the first is this. One way that you help guard your integrity is you invite other people in. You invite other people into your pain, your confusion, your chaos. Proverbs 18.1 says this, says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. So if you're totally alone in your plan B and it's tough, man, let someone else in because that just helps you have good judgment about things. And the last thing is, you're human, I'm human. At times we don't act in our full integrity. If you have a breach of your integrity, then the other place that the proverb talks about is, it says this, and I think it also says in the Psalms, it says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and find refuge. So the number one thing you do, if you have a breach of your own integrity, is you run to the Lord and you find safety in Him. And you say, Jesus, I'm coming back to you. Because that's why He died on the cross. He died on the cross that in our sin, we wouldn't run away from Him, but we'd run to Him. He died on the cross that when we don't act with integrity, we don't run away from Him, but we run right to Him. We say, Jesus, you have all the integrity. Let me be with you. Why do you want to do that? Well, because as Ruth 4 will indicate, you have no idea how big your little acts of loyalty, your little acts of preserving your integrity, you have no idea how big and how wonderful those consequences will be, like the good consequences of it. We find out because Ruth and Boaz do get married, they end up having a son named Obed. Obed will have a son named Jesse. Jesse will have a son named David. And David, as Brian indicated last week, one of the best kings of Israel. And David, of course, gives line to Jesus. So just a little obedience, a little loyalty from Ruth, um, a little integrity from Boaz. And man, the, the implications, the ripple effect is amazing. So it is with you and me. Our little acts of loyalty, if we maintain our integrity, even in the chaos or the frustration of plan B, you have no idea how wonderful that will be for your family, for the body of Christ here in the harbor, for the kingdom coming, coming in the North Shore. Okay, our little acts of integrity matter. We know no idea how big they're going to be. So, as I invite Kevin and Matt to come back up, I think there are two ways we can respond today. Maybe there are more. If the Holy Spirit gives you another one, just do it. But the main two ways I want to in invite you to respond are, first, you've got to invite Jesus into your plan B. If you find yourself in the pain, chaos, confusion, irritation, frustration, annoyance, difficulty of a plan B, a situation you didn't expect, the first move is you invite Jesus in. Jesus, here I am. And the second invitation would be, if you're in a situation where, gosh, you feel like, man, I've compromised my integrity. I wish I kept my integrity better in this plan B. Then again, you run to Jesus. And you come to him. You run to him. 
because he is a strong tower, and you'll find refuge in him. Okay? Let's stand, and let's pledge to Jesus our desire to maintain our integrity in our plan B. I'll just say that Brian and I will be available at the front. If you need to process this with someone, as the Proverbs 18, the verse suggested, don't remain isolated. Hey, we're here to process with you. We'd love to. And honey, can you pray with me as well? Kelsey will be on my team. I don't know if JJ will be on Brian's team today. I'll see. <laughs> oh, thank you, God. Father, I thank you for the gift that Scripture is. What an awesome means of grace it is to us. What a gift. We don't have to wonder what you think about certain things. And so the whole testimony of Ruth is you care about our pain. You care about our plans B. And you're really able to make something wonderful out of our plans B. Holy Spirit, you're the counselor. And so I'm just asking for every circumstance and situation that people find themselves in today that is less than what they had imagined, that is different from what they had desired. Lord, your promise is that you are working, you're at work, and your encouragement to each one of us is stay in the game in a manner of integrity. In our plan B, maintain our integrity by the grace of God. So Lord, even right now, I just... Lord, I am asking you to put fresh faith in people's hearts that their situations are bearable and that you will meet them in them. I also ask for fresh creativity to come on people that where they may feel cornered or trapped by a certain plan B, that God, you bring fresh creativity as far as how they can manage and thrive. 